Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. You know, last week I went to go see Crown of Thorns, Sick of It All, and Agnostic Front at the House of Rock. That was last Thursday. That show kicked ass. It was great seeing all my friends back together, uh, enjoying all the old school jams that we grew up listening to. And after that, I followed up with a show in Houston up at Minute Maid Park. And I went to go see one of my all-time favorite singers, Billy Joel, the piano man out of New York City. And I tell you, it was like being in a New York state of mind. Every song he played was a hit, and the band sounded fantastic. Billy Joel was able to hit all the old notes that I was able to hear on all his greatest hits. And I couldn't have had a better time being able to be there with my dad and also my son. My dad turned me on to Billy Joel while I was hanging out in the garage, uh, either mowing the yard on the weekends or cleaning the garage or washing and waxing the car. So I thank him for that. And I also turned on my son, Stone, on to Billy Joel. So it was nice having three Billy Joel uh, fanatics there in the house together having a good time. This weekend for my birthday, my family's taking me out to go see Toby Mac on Friday. And coming Saturday, I'm going to have my birthday show with my band Headbangers Pit kicking ass all over Black Monk Tavern. So you guys, please come out to the Black Monk Tavern and help me celebrate my birthday. And there's going to be no cover. Show starts at 10 o'clock. So come on out there as we throw down three big, hard, heavy sets of your favorite metal. All right, so let's get back to my 10 best thrash metal debuts of the 80s. On the last episode, we covered my first five favorite thrash metal albums. These five thrash pioneers are Metallica, Exodus, Anthrax, Megadeth, and of course, fucking Slayer. Now we get going with my next favorite five thrash metal albums of the 80s. First to get that started, the one and only Stormtroopers of Death, S.O.D. The Stormtroopers of Death changed thrash metal by creating crossover thrash. And that was a mix of hardcore punk and thrash metal. Their first release, Speak English or Die, came out in August of 1985 on Megaforce Records. They came out of New York City and the band was made up of Anthrax members Scott Ian on guitar, Charlie Benante on drums, and former Anthrax bass player Dan Lilker, and featured Billy Milano on vocals, who later started M.O.D. Method of Destruction. My favorite songs from this game-changing album are March of the S.O.D., Kill Yourself, and Sergeant D and the S.O.D. Quick little story about when I had a chance to meet Billy Milano. It was back in the 90s, and my bad Killamora went up to Austin to go play Headhunters, which at the time was managed by Billy Milano. So we put on a show. Billy came up to me afterwards and said, hey, man, can you come over to my place afterwards and do an interview for my website? And, man, we were freaking floored. We were like, fuck, yeah, we'll go to your place afterwards. So we packed up all our shit. He gave us the directions, and we went over to his crib. Uh, he had a really cool apartment with a couple of badass dogs. One of them was like a freaking Rottweiler that once I walked inside the door, freaking practically mauled me. Came up, started dry humping me, wouldn't get the fuck off until fucking Mr. Billy came and dragged him off me. So after that, Billy offered some uh, burgers. We declined because, hey, man, we just didn't want to put Billy through any of that shit. We just wanted to hang out. So we did the interview with Billy, and we were hanging out. Back in those days of Kilimora, as well as my band's integrity, I used to like to wear war paint. And I would always change up the different ways I would paint my face. And when I did that show at Headhunters, I wore my war paint. And afterwards, when we went over to Billy's place, I had already washed it off. But Billy made a point to tell me, 
to drop the freaking war paint. He said, bro, you got a fucking great voice. You don't need freaking paint or a gimmick. Just go up there and do what you do and kick ass doing it. And you know what? Whatever he said to me right then, it stuck to me. And I figured if anybody was going to give me a good recommendation and I thought it was pretty fucking cool, that's fucking Billy Milano. And since then, I've only really worn makeup back on stage whenever it's Halloween time or if we're doing some kind of fucking reunion or something. But otherwise, uh, the makeup days are in the past. Um, I dig it. They were cool. It took like 30 minutes of preparation time to get that stuff ready before every show. And I tell you, as the show would go on and as I would start to sweat, the makeup would just run into my eyes and everything would just become a fucking blur. And my eyes would burn like freaking crazy throughout the show. But I figure it's the price you pay for putting on a show. And I like putting on the makeup and bringing that kind of a different kind of shock value to our gig. So thanks to Billy. No more war paint. And been doing without it just fucking fine ever since. Next, we have Testament and their first release, The Legacy. It dropped on April 21st of 1987 on Megaforce Records. It was produced by Alex Perialis, who also produced another one of my favorite bands, Propane. Testament's original name was A Legacy. Then the band found out that there was another band with that same name already. Then their friend, the one and only Billy Milano, in New York City where Testament was recording the Legacy record, came up with a new name for the band. It was Testament. My favorite tracks off this Legacy record are Over the Wall, Alone in the Dark, and of course, Burn Offerings. Chuck Billy is one of my favorite singers of all time. I fucking love Chuck Billy. His vocal range and durability through the years is inspirational to me big time. To see him killing it today as he tours on the Bass Strikes Back Tour second leg with Exodus and Death Angel is just a testament to his genius and his lungs of steel. Next, we have Bay Area's first death metal band, Possessed. They formed in 1983. Their release, Seven Churches, is fucking evil. As a matter of fact, Possessed's very first vocalist, Barry Fisk, committed suicide by gunshot in front of his girlfriend's house in Terra Hills, California. So later he was replaced by Jeff Becerra on vocals and bass guitar, and they recorded their first demo entitled Death Metal in 1984. They got the attention of Brian Slagle, head of Metal Band Records, and Slagle liked the band and put their song, Swing of the Axe, on the upcoming Metal Massacre 6 album. After this release, Larry Lalonde joined the band on guitar, and Larry would eventually leave the band in 1987 and join Primus with Les Claypool and Tim Alexander. The compilation track drew the attention of Combat Records, who signed the band and released Seven Churches in 1985. The first track on Seven Churches is The Exorcist, and that track starts off with Tubular Bells, the theme song from the one and only movie, The Exorcist. Very appropriate intro if you ask me, and it's a thrash metal classic. My other favorite tracks from this release are Pentagram and Seven Churches. Every song, and this is a banger, and this is a groundbreaking debut from Bay Area's one and only Possessed. Next, we have the kings of European thrash metal, Germany's Creator. They formed in 1982. I love the vocals of singer and guitarist Mili Pedraza. He's one of thrash metal's best singers. They were originally named Tyrant, but then they changed their name to Tormentor, and then that finally became Creator. They hail from Eastern Germany, and their first record, Endless Pain, was released on Noise Records in 1985. 
They recorded Endless Pain in only 10 days at Berlin's Music Lab Studios. And from the first track, Endless Pain, and throughout this whole album, this is a thrash metal feast. My favorite tracks are Endless Pain, Tormentor, and Flag of Hate. This was a prelude to creator's album, Pleasure to Kill, a thrash metal masterpiece. One of my all-time favorite thrash albums. Finally, Death Angels, The Ultraviolence. This one had to make the list. This song, The Ultraviolence, is a thrash metal blueprint of an instrumental. The main lead riff is so fucking heavy, it's perfect. The track is ten and a half minutes long of heavy riff to heavy riff of metal perfection. They hail from Daly City, California, and the original name was Dark Theory. In 1982, they were the opening band for other Bay Area thrashers, Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, Exodus, Testament, Overkill, DRI, Merciful Fate, and Possessed. Their success of their first demo, produced by Kirk Hammett of Metallica, entitled Kill Us One, led to a record deal with Enigma Records. In 1997, Enigma released Death Angels, The Ultraviolence. All the band members were under 20 years old when they recorded this thrash metal classic. Their drummer, Andy Galeon, was the youngest at 14 years old. Fuck! Only 14 and he was already thrashing drums like Dave Lombardo. These guys were inspired by their Bay Area thrash heroes and followed up with their very own thrash metal sound that would credit them with being in the Bay Area thrash metal Big Six, along with Exodus, Testament, Lost Rocket, Forbidden, and Violence. My favorite tracks off of this are the title track, Thrashers, and Evil Priest. Since then, they've gone on to become a Grammy nominee for their track, Humanicide, in 2019. This concludes part two of my 10 best thrash metal debuts of the 1980s. Thanks a lot for listening. Please leave me any questions or comments. And if you've got your own favorite top 10 thrash metal debuts, send them to me. Let me check them out too. You're the master of your own destiny and creator of your own future. Take care of yourself, my friends. And I hope to see you at my birthday show this Saturday at the Black Monk Tavern with my band, Headbangers Pit. Show's going to start at 10 and there's never a cover. See you at the show.